Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you on this Thursday night? I'm doing well. Better now because Oklahoma State was down 4-0 to Kansas in softball, but they just hit a three-run homer to oh. tie it 4-4, top of the fifth. So, obviously, so you are- know, we love to... We love to live podcast the games that people are going to know the outcomes too. But. Yeah, I, I do love that. We do it every week. Every week we open up with the current score of the softball game that will be over by the time you've heard this podcast. So <laughs> they always win though when we're talking about it during the podcast. So oh yeah, they really do. Here. They really yeah, do. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I was telling you off air. I was in San Antonio for work this week and literally all week. So uh, got back Thursday afternoon. And of course, that's why we're recording this so late in the week, because uh, I've been out of town at a, at a big convention for work and uh, it was great. I, I can't do it like that anymore, but it was a, a really good time. And, uh, you know, good to, good to be with all those people. So anyway, yeah, things are good. And San Antonio is kind of cool. I, I hadn't been in a while and, uh, there's quite a bit to do. We, we, we enjoyed the, of all things, the dueling piano bar. Like that was, that was pretty fun. And the piano bars are fun. They've got those in every like moderately sized city. And I walked in and I was like, Oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, great. And then it ended up being like a lot of fun. So <laughs> it was no, that's good. Awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. Glad you're back, though. That's obviously you'll see the podcast coming out a little later this week. Cade was out of town for work. So a little bit later, I know we got a question about that on Twitter. So blame well, I, Cade, not my I, fault. I want to I want to start this with an icebreaker, Dustin, real quick. When you're when you're on an airplane and OK, let me let me think of the best way to ask this. What is the like most acceptable thing to eat on an airplane and what's the least acceptable thing to eat on an airplane i think most acceptable is probably just the snacks that they give you right a little trail mix right. uh least acceptable maybe like an entire crab leg <laughs> a salmon i i think i might agree with you but i think i encountered something worse on the airplane today <laughs> the guy in front of me just cracks open a Qdoba like burrito bowl, like right there. At, I mean, and you're it, we're in a metal tube. There's nowhere for that to go. And I like I like that stuff. I like a burrito bowl, but I'm like, dude, it's like nine in the morning, and I all I can smell is your food. It's like, oh, it that, was that early in the morning. It was early. They, they people eat like salads at like 6 a.m. in airports. It's like the wild west. I, I don't understand it. And I thought That's kind of a psycho move. I thought you would appreciate this. I think it should be like a violation of federal law to like bring something that <laughs> stinky on an airplane. I was so mad. Still am a little heated. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I would get it if it was like a middle of the day, you've had some long layover or something, but 9 a.m. is kind of, no. that's kind of wild. It's it was it was ridiculous. So anyway, I only ask you that because 
I, I figured you might feel the, some type of way about it the way I do. So yeah, I think seafood would be my number one. No. Yeah. There. Followed closely by sauteed peppers and guacamole. <laughs> like no, nobody wants to smell that on an airplane. I just, anyway, enough about that. But I had to, I had to just tell you about that because I, I, I still can't believe it. Um, there's plenty to get to. So let's, let's just cut right to the chase here. Spring football, shockingly, you know, less than two weeks away from wrapping up. Um, and I believe the spring game is on April 23rd this year, that Saturday. So we are like approaching that deadline and uh, there's a lot to talk about, Dustin. Um, I, I want to start wherever you want to start. I know we've got a few things. Where do you want to start here? Yeah, so we've got – we're coming up on the last couple of weeks of spring practice. So we've got Mike Gundy's coaching clinic tomorrow, Friday, April 15th. And then we've got the last week of spring practice. You've got practice on April 18th, 20th, 23rd. They'll add that practice that they missed from the flu. And then you have the spring finale on April 23rd. So Gundy talked a little bit about that recently. They asked him what he was going to do. You know, we've said on here it's not going to be a full game. What he said, I've got the quote with the media. We're going to do seven on seven. We'll do some team run. We'll do some individual. We'll do a lot for the fans. We just had to make a decision on how much 11 on 11 we would do with the exception of just doing it at the end so we get an hour's worth of work and then hoping we can stay healthy all the way to completion. So it's not going to be a full game. We kind of knew that. They had a lot of guys out from the offensive line. You got guys like Trace Ford, Colin Clay, who aren't participating fully. So you know, they've got, they don't want to get anybody else hurt when they're bringing all these guys back, but I think it's going to be, I think it's still going to be fun. I know you're talking about going, I know I'll be there, but yep. okay. Do you want to hit you with some, some notes? You know, we've been doing some practice I, notes. I this do. It's just kind of a, this is a compilation of stuff I've been told. Pokes report. Robert Allen does a great job. We're reporting what he gets to see at practice two, four, seven and pistols firing. Also, you know, they put up pistols firing actually put up some great videos of some interviews with the players recently so this is just a culmination of that so stuff we're hearing and then things that were actually written down but all four of the offensive linemen who had the postseason surgeries are back they're not fully practicing but Preston Wilson Silas Barr Hunter Woodard and Joe Maholski they're back in practice they're back wearing the jerseys they're back in pads ready to go uh they're not going through any contact stuff but they are all back and Preston Wilson was interviewed and he has said he is geared up to play center. Coach Charlie Dickey has asked oh, him wow. to move back there. That's where he was recruited. So he even talked about in the interview that I saw, he used to snap when he was a freshman after practice to the quarterbacks getting extra work just to kind of make a name for himself. So he's got a ton of experience there. We've talked about him on here. We think he's probably the smartest and most technical lineman on the team, yeah. which I think is some high praise. So he'll be manning that center spot, calling out the offensive line and defensive line adjustments. It'll be interesting to see that, but I think that, I don't know if that's a surprise to you or I, it's, but it's kind of been confirmed now. It's good to know, you know, two things. One, it's good to know there's proof of life on those four guys. Like they're actually practicing in some form or fashion, um, or at least like, you know, suiting up like that's that's a good step in the right direction because we are only in, in the middle of April here. And then Preston Wilson being a center is a is a wish list item for me. I think we talked about that. I believe if if we go back to last week's podcast, the lineup that you presented to me, the one I wanted 
was primarily because of Preston Wilson at center. I know he can be interchangeable, can play some guard, even some tackle that was kind of discussed a little bit. Um, but I just, I think with Oklahoma State's style, like the way they want to run the ball, and then maybe with uh, Ollie Gordon is apparently a unicorn. So, like, you might want to have somebody that can hold it down in the middle of that offensive line. Um, and I just, I think back to, you know, that Baylor game. It's not like, it's not like Preston Wilson or Joe Mahalski were going, it's not like the center was the problem there. Um, but you at least, I don't know, to me, um, it makes the most sense. And the offensive line now, um, you know, before we kind of talk about some other stuff going on on the offensive line, like it feels like guys are where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I completely agree. And then you you hit on Ollie Gordon. So I kind of wanted to run through some of the highlights. We've been doing that. Gunnar Gundy and Lyson Anderson continue to hook up on passes, touchdown passes mainly. So it sounds like from what I'm hearing, Langston Anderson is the go-to guy in the twos. That's so that's great. good to know because maybe he works his way up to the ones. And then my guy, Jaden Bray, has apparently been absolutely dominating, and he looks like Spencer Sanders' go-to guy in practice right now. Oof. So that's been awesome. Another guy that's been showing up all over these highlights, it sounds like, is Braden Johnson, yes. who's actually playing on the outside right now, which I think is the spot you and I talked about, yep. Bryson Green manning in the future. Braden's there right now. Uh, Brennan Presley's been making some plays. You talked about him. Ollie Gordon. C.J. Brown also breaking off a, a big run recently. But it's been a, it's been a slew of Braden Johnson, Brennan Presley, Langston Anderson, Jaden Bray. And then we also got to see video on Twitter, I can't remember who put it up, of Talon Shetron making a nice catch on a pass from Garrett Rangel. So it's the same names we're saying over and over again, Cade, and that seems to happen every year. Last year, we heard a lot of Jalen Warren. I was able to go to that practice, and you know, I, I remember talking to you saying, "Hey, this Warren kid." Yeah, I remember this. Is good. Yeah. So normally, when you hear this stuff in spring, especially with guys that have been on the team for a little while, it equates into performance that next season. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with Braden Johnson. They may move him back inside when Bryson Green comes back, but it's interesting that we keep hearing these same names at receiver and at running back. I mean. <laughs> Maybe that over-under of 600 yards or whatever it was for Ollie Gordon, maybe yeah. that becomes a reality. Well, so I I love that you kind of went back to Braden Johnson because all of this stuff is extremely interesting. But Braden Johnson, like he he could unlock some things for this offense. He's a legitimate deep threat. Uh, Mike Gundy said he's going to run a sub 4-4. So top line speed. Six foot 185. That's decent size at that position. Like you go look at Tylen Wallace. I think Oklahoma State listed him at six foot two. I don't think he was ever six foot. I think he was a little bit under that. But my point is, you know, that size concern, I don't really have that with him playing that position on the outside. I always kind of attributed him as being in the middle uh, because that's where you saw him a lot previously. But it's been a few years. Um, I, I can see him getting the bulk of the reps over on that side if he is as truly healthy and is playing as well as what we're hearing because, you know, the, the reviews are very positive. Yeah, I completely agree. And sp speaking of Braden Johnson, there's been a lot of talk about backup quarterback. You know, we talked about it on the podcast, I believe, last week. He was asked about how Rangel and Gunnar Gundy are performing, and he said, I feel like both of them are competing on the same level. They both have an arm. They both are accurate. Gunnar and Garrett, they both can run. They're both solid. And by the time the season comes around, I'll be excited to see their progression. 
Mike Gundy was asked about it as well, had similar thoughts to Braden. I, I hear that Gunner is running with the twos more, which honestly, the offensive line, I think there is only two right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. But receivers-wise, running backs-wise, it sounds like Gunny's, Gunner Gundy's running with the twos and Rangel's with the threes. It sounds like Gundy has a leg up on him right now from everything that me and you have been hearing, but we'll kind of see as that plays out. But it's great that Rangel's in the mix. Obviously, the throws we've seen, it looks like his arm, he's got some pop on it on those deep Definitely. throws, and he can he can whip it around a little bit. And we know from high school that he can move, you know, enough. So we'll see how that goes. But I think in the running back room, Cade was the last thing I wanted to hit on before we talked about offensive line. It sounds like there may be from last season some concerns about some ball security issues with guys like Dom Richardson. Mm. So I maybe there is a chance, and Dom obviously has been performing really well. Nixon's been performing really well. We've talked about them. But maybe if something like that happens and Ollie Gordon does pop up into the rotation. So we'll see how that goes. Every I feel like each week we hear something that makes us think Ollie Gordon's going to work his way in there. But it's going to take a lot, I think, for Gundy to completely rely on a freshman running back. I think it'll be by committee. We'll talk about some transfer portal stuff that, you know, again, I called sort of like Prince Pines and not <laughs> not trying to, you know, toot my own horn, but I'm very smart. So, but let's move on, Cade. Hey, real we talked quick, a lot of positives. I, real quick, I was trying to pull up this story about Ollie Gordon, and I typed in Ollie Garden into my <laughs> search bar. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. Uh, Olive Garden. Ollie, Ollie Garden. That is not it. Um, what I was trying to pull up, uh, there was a, a story in the Oklahoman this, this week talking uh, like all the players were interviewed about Ollie Gordon and everybody was kind of sharing a similar notion of being mystified by his size. Like at 6'3", I think, I can't remember who said it and I couldn't get the article pulled up in time, but said that they didn't think that that was a running back. Like they saw him in the practice facility and assumed that was like a wide receiver or cowboy back type of position. And it's just Ollie Gordon, your true freshman running back. And, and again, Gundy keeps talking about him being at six, three, two thirty by the time the season rolls around and running a four five. I mean, that that's ridiculous. That's, that is Kate, ridiculous. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. Cause Tom Hutton also mentioned that, if yeah. Ollie Gordon is six one, then I can't remember what he said. Then he's five he said, eight or something. So. He said I must have shrank. <laughs> yeah. So Ollie, I think maybe he's closer to six two. Who knows what his weight is? Basically, he's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, right. that's what. Pe that's basically what people are saying. Like you know, every year around this time, a picture of somebody that's hit the weight room comes out, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, look at Justice Hill, for example. You remember how jacked he got in that off season? I feel like Ollie Gordon is that. Like, that's the talking point right now. Is just yeah, he's a freak, like freak of nature. So. Anyway, I'm pumped. No, that that was great, Kate. Thanks for thanks for stopping me from rambling for a second. But <laughs> I got a little excited, but in a bad way, because I think we've heard some news that's yeah. negative on the <laughs> offensive line. So from what Kate and I have heard, we have not seen any news outlet officially report this yet. So take it with a grain of salt. This is just what Kate and I are hearing. Cole Birmingham may have suffered a significant injury at practice starting guard Cole, Cole Birmingham last year played some tackle and 
it may cause him to be out for a while. I'm hearing possibly most of the season. So that's not good for the starting lineup, but Cade, this is why they got the guys in the transfer portal. If something like this happened, you know, they didn't want it to happen in practice in spring, but you know, hopefully what we're hearing is a little bit, not over-exaggerated, but, but, you know, hopefully it's not as bad as it initially yeah, said. Right, right. Able to come back maybe in the middle of the season, maybe even for conference play. But right now, what are your thoughts? And what do you think that does? What do you want the offensive yeah. line to look like now? It's, it's a, when you texted me that, it was a kind of a gut punch because it's like, oh my gosh, this offensive line is just snake bit. It's like every time you think that they're going to roll out with a, a new unit that that looks the part, does the part, something like this typically happens. And I mean, you've got to prepare for this. And I think you nailed it. That's exactly why you bring in three O-linemen transfers. That's why you do this is to build depth in the case of injury. And Cole Birmingham is a significant injury. I would say outside of like Caleb Etienne, like that's a big that might be the biggest one that you could have suffered uh, this early on. So um, huge deal, humongous loss. I will be, I will be interested to see where, you know, who ends up at that right, right guard spot now. Like it, that's where we would expect them to play. Right. Was that right guard spot? Well, He had been practicing at left left guard. Okay. But I don't know if this shuffles anything around to your point. I, I would think I, it has to. If if I had to guess right now, and I wanted to see what you thought about this, but this is making assumptions, which I know we tried not to do on the last podcast. I think it would go left tackle Caleb Etienne, left guard Prince Pines, but there's my assumption that he's going to be able to come in in June yeah. with enough time to get ready. Cape. Again, he's played for three years. He played at Baylor, played two years at Sam Houston. He's an experienced guy who has played guard can pull, can run zone. You know, we've watched film on him. We know what he can do. Sam Houston ran hurry up even. A lot of 11 and 10 personnel. So he's used to it. Center would be Preston Wilson, who we talked about. Right guard would be Hunter Woodard. And then right tackle, I think it's Jake Springfield. And then you hope Casey Collier, Jason Brooks can come in and compete and maybe take that spot. But I think you you roll with Springfield out there right now. I, I don't know. I'm not that worried about that as an offensive line that if Pines is able to come in and start, I I mean, how does that make you feel? Cause I think Pines, if Pines is here in the spring, I think him in Birmingham, I I mean, I think Pines is really good. I don't know if he is as good as Cole Birmingham, but I think it's close. I I love what you're saying. And I agree with you. I think it's a great thought and I think it's probably what's going to end up happening but it is still a like probably you know it's almost like Etienne last year you heard great things you knew enough about him to think okay he can come in and contribute right now and then he didn't play a snap so it was like okay I I'm cautioning myself against that with Prince Pines because you know it's it's two different situations if they have a hole at left guard they're going to have to fill it. And I, I think we talked about this. Prince Pines was the guy that we said would, out of those three transfer candidates, would be the one to, to fill in on that offensive line. And it could be at left or right guard is where kind of we landed, I felt like. So um, I, I think that has to be like plan A, but you've got to have a good plan B. And I like I like Springfield. I don't think, um, 
you know, you would like to be able to put him with the twos and get him rotated in. Um, Cause at times last year, most of the year, he was consistently Oklahoma state's uh, like lowest performing offensive lineman. And that's not really a knock. They had some good offensive linemen, but uh, you would like maybe to have him running with the twos. So all that to say, Cole Birmingham, if, if what we're hearing is true, it, it's a significant uh, problem. Yeah, it really is. And kid, you laid that out beautifully just to run down who we know is the ones and twos right now on the offensive line. And remember, this is with Preston Wilson, Hunter Woodard, Silas Barr, and Joe Maholski out, and the transfers aren't in yet. So right now at practice, you've got left ta- – for from what we've heard and from what we've seen in the OSU Max videos they've put out, it's left tackle Caleb Etienne, left guard has been Cole Birmingham, center has been Jake Henry, right guard Taylor Matirko, right tackle Jake Springfield. In the twos, left tackle, you've got Tyrone Weber. Uh, left guard, you've got D. Jones. You've got Eli Russ at center. Right guard, you've got Hilton Marsh, and then you've got Logan Nobles at right tackle, which I tweeted this out, and I had to correct my tweet. I'm an idiot. I Logan Nobles is the same number as kicker Campbell Ambrose, and that's who I wrote at first. I know he's a kicker. I'm just very dumb. So apologies to our It's a sad state of affairs uh, when the kicker's <laughs> filling in on the offensive line. That's tough. Oh, I knew that was coming. But yeah, apparently, Kate, <laughs> apparently Weber, Weber's still a year away, which is sad to hear because, you know, we had high hopes for him coming in. Yep. I, I don't know if Eli Russ has the potential for starting center, but I think he might compete. And then Logan Nobles is a depth piece. If they run him out at starting right tackle, I think that would make me a little concerned just because I believe he was a former walk on. He's, he's a Tulsa guy. So We'll see, but yeah, Kate, that's that's all I really have on the offense. If you want to move to the defense, unless you yeah, have any final notes, no, I think that's good. Cool. Not as many notes on the defense, and they're all positive. So it sounds like starting safeties are who we talked about last week: Jason Taylor. We've got Thomas Harper at that nickel spot, and then Shawn Michael Flanagan and Kendall Daniels have been rotating in and out. I saw an interview with cornerback Jabbar Muhammad talking about Kendall Daniels' length, speed, and size. He, oh. I think, he said how amazing it is like three or four times in a two minute span. Yeah. So that somebody, got me a somebody, little excited. Yeah. Somebody check on our, our friend Adam Lunt after hearing that. <laughs> so, uh, so that's good to know. Uh, Gundy said again, talking great about the defense when asked he, this was a question he was asked about the thing he thinks is the most, I believe it was the most exciting about this team, this whole team in the spring. He said, I think we have a lot of team speed. I think we're really fast on defense again. So he just, Instantly went to defense again, like we have been the last two or three years. I feel like we're farther ahead defensively understanding our scheme than we have in the past, just based on we're in and what, we, what would be year five of it now. The rest of it is what I would call pretty routine spring ball. So Gunny just instantly goes back to the defense again. I know the corners are playing well. Xavier Benson and Mason Cobb are lighting it up at linebacker with guys like Lamont Bishop, Jeff Robertson, Cameron Farrar all in the mix, Nick Martin. Um, I did, Cade, find out a little bit of info on one of your big questions, backup okay. cornerback. Everyone's playing backup cornerback. <laughs> the kicker. <laughs> so Cam Smith, DeClevion Beeman, Ray Gay, Dylan McKinney, I, I heard, is getting a lot of run. We saw DeMarco Jones. He's who's guarding Taylor Shetron in that video. So all those guys are rotating in at backup corner. Um, Tyler Lacey's making some plays. Corey Black has made some plays. Ben Kopinski's making some plays. I don't know, Cade. What what does any of that do for you? Well, it's it's interesting that Gundy continues to like 
he's almost defense oriented in the way he speaks. He talks a lot about the offense, but he always is going back to the defense. I think probably because he saw like last year, Oklahoma State didn't even have a great offense. Like it was, it was pretty average by Oklahoma State standards, but an elite defense nearly got them to the college football playoffs. So it's like, okay, if you can just figure out some things on offense and make sure that what you like what you built on defense last year is not a flash in the pan, but is the foundation for something bigger. I love that. That's, it seems to me, to me that that's why Gundy is talking about it so often. Um, Kendall Daniels being a, a freak athlete is very exciting to me. Um, and as I, I said this, if the, if the safeties and corners are even like average, even like average plus next year, Oklahoma state is going to be back in Dallas. I just, they just can't be bad. You know what I mean? Like it can't be a dominant elite defensive line with a bad secondary. I, as long as they're average, I think they're, they're going to be back in Dallas. It's just the way I see it. Um, And Kendall Daniels uh, being part of that, I mean, is, is a huge step in the right direction because if, if, if people are glowing about him, then uh, buckle up because he's got the talent. hundred percent. And, and another thing, just kind of leveraging off what you just said with kind of the overall safeties, the fact that Kendall Daniels and Shawn Michael Flanagan are both performing well. Right. So you got so you could rotate Still them. Got in Jason and out. Taylor. Yeah. You've got Jason Taylor. You've got Ty Williams, who's apparently playing really well. So you've got like five or six safeties you can rotate in, which is amazing. The only real question, I think, is the depth at corner, but hopefully someone stands out there. I know. I know Lunt really likes Dylan McKinney. So the fact that he's yeah. already rotating in with the twos is pretty huge being there in the spring as a freshman. Heard some good things about DeKelvin Beeman too. Um, heard him last year. And and now mm-hmm. his name popping up is not surprised. I, w- I would definitely expect to see him in that, you know, too deep. Uh, I Maybe on the on the outside of that, but I, I would expect him to be in the mix. And one thing I've heard, uh, I believe this was Mason Cobb in an interview that said Derek Mason – one thing he's bringing to practice is if they don't get at least three turnovers, I believe they're having to do bear crawls at the end of practice, which bear crawls are not very fun. So they're trying to get turnovers, but apparently it's been a little difficult to get them on the ones because Spencer, I guess has been lighting it up, but you know, we're huge Spencer Sanders guys. We are. So we're not surprised by that, but I know some people might be, after some of his, you know, the Baylor game last year and stuff like that. But apparently he's getting it out quick, a lot of quick passes, a lot of quick reads. So that's Ooh. something I like to hear. Yeah, you, you love that. Sounds like the Notre Dame game plan to me. Um, anyway, Agreed. that's all good stuff there, Dustin. Appreciate you putting all that together. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm good on spring football, okay, unless you had anything else. No, I'm good. I think what I would like to do, though, is hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. 
Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, the gates of the transfer portal, still wide open, sir. Um, I know we've got a lot to get to there, but there's some visitors on campus this weekend, some big ones, not from the transfer portal. Um, Zane Flores and Isaiah Robertson, Rob Robinson. I'm sorry, butchered that. Zane Flores, though, is an interesting one because I feel like if Oklahoma State wants him, I, I just I like what I like what they have going there. Yeah, I completely agree. It's also a little you and I were talking off air. He was supposed to come for the spring finale on April 23rd. I hate saying spring finale, by the way. I'm just going to say spring game. Yeah, me too. Me too. So the (laughs) spring game. So he's coming early now. He's coming this Saturday. I don't know what that means, but like you said, I think if Oklahoma State wants him, they can get him. Yep. I haven't watched a ton on him. If he does commit, I will watch a lot, and I'll, I'll put some videos out on him. But he's the kid from Nebraska in 2023. You know, we talked about the... Bo Edmondson ended up committing to Michigan State. That's who Oklahoma State was kind of gunning for. I think they thought they had him in the bag. So Zane Flores is a guy they've been going after. And the fact that he's coming in, Isaiah Robinson's a big-time recruit they want on the line. So the fact that both these guys are coming in together this Saturday, maybe maybe we see some fireworks, Kate. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, and he's an interesting prospect. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Rangel, actually, which is which is interesting. Similar size. Um, and speaking of Rangel, we've heard the ball's coming off hot, right? A little bit of that. So, um, you know, back to Flores, it does feel like if Oklahoma state wants him, that there could be a fit there. Um, you know, you, you never know with, with, you know, recruiting these days. So, um, we'll see how it ends up, but I, I like him as a prospect and it's kind of one of those prototypical Oklahoma state quarterback recruits. Like you go look down the offer list, Kansas state, Mizzou, Kansas, Iowa State, West Virginia, all like those schools that Oklahoma State is typically competing with and, and is winning most of those recruiting battles. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know which way I lean, but, um, you know, especially with this week's, uh, you know, him moving that visit up early, seems like it's got to be a good sign. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and speaking of quarterback recruits in the 2023 class, Brock Glenn, three star from Memphis. He will be who we've talked about on here before. He'll be there at the spring game on the 23rd, along with on an official visit. And he'll be joined by Avian Carter, four star D four star DL from Amarillo, Dylan Smith, the cornerback from Denton, who we've talked about on here, David Keys, who's actually a 2024 linebacker recruit, and Jalen Braxton, three star cornerback. So all of them will be there at the spring game, along with Cade. I'm not going to insinuate anything here, you know, just make predictions, but in a negative way with the commits coming in the three Jack and Dean, Jaden Foreman and Jacoby Sanders. There's a name missing from that list. All three of them are coming to the spring game. Cam Franklin recently took a visit to Ole Miss after committing to Oklahoma state. And you know, Gundy doesn't like that. I'm, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him decommit from Oklahoma state, but he's one of, he's the only one of the commits not coming for the spring game. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And usually when something like that happens, it's a writing on the wall type of situation. Um, 
So I'm with you. Don't want to insinuate anything. Maybe he sticks around, but not being there for the spring game, taking other visits. You're correct. I remember Miles Price, who's now at Texas Tech, had his offer revoked for taking a visit <laughs> while he was committed to Oklahoma State. So not Shame. a thing. Yeah, not a thing that Gundy uh, puts up with. So, yeah, I think I think that was all I had, Kate, on recruits. But th- there's going to be a lot. There's probably going to be some commits soon. I mean, obviously, offers out in the 2024 class. You'll see 2023 commits. You know, they've only got the four committed. So it's going to start to ramp up, and it's going to be exciting. Cade and I will try. It's it's a roller coaster when it starts ramping up, but Cade and I will try to keep you guys yeah, locked in I mean, on recruiting. And it gets so crazy that, like, podcasting is a terrible medium for, like, <laughs> if we have a list of 50 people, which we will. Like, there will be that list. Like you, you don't want us reading it on this podcast. So we'll have to figure that out. We'll hit on the big names though. And any time, any three, four star recruits that come in, especially any of the skill positions, we'll definitely watch some film on them and break those down for you. You know, you know how we should uh, reveal the transfer portal targets for Oklahoma state. You and I should go to like a city council meeting and just like on a big scroll, just start reading them off. I think that's what we should do. I actually would love that. Yeah, I know. I know you would. Um, so shifting to Kate, the transfer. tell us about the transfer. I know. Well, where, where do you want to start? You want to start with the big news of the day? Or actually, I know where I want to start. Kudos to you throwing a name out there that, I mean. <laughs> the thousand I threw out there. You've thrown this name out there multiple times. And last week, Oklahoma State offers him. And we didn't find this out until right after we got off the podcast. Dylan McDuffie from uh, Buffalo who is a name that we've talked to uh, thrown around on the podcast multiple times. So Dustin, your thoughts there. Yeah. Six foot, 207 pound running back from Buffalo. He's going to have two years of eligibility remaining kind of had his breakout year last year, over a thousand yards, 11 touchdowns, 14 receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown had multiple hundred um, yard games, a big game against Bowling Green where he ran for like 170. I actually went and watched, yeah, was it three days ago? I watched the Northern Illinois Buffalo game from last year. I think he had over 100 in that game. And, man, he looks good. He's He's got speed, and he's got some shake to him, but he's, he's down for contact, and he yeah. wants to run through people. He's also a pretty solid route runner. I saw him catch a pass on a wheel route and then a little arrow route. And he's a good pass protector, which I think is the reason why he got an offer – a seasoned guy that could come in and can do all those things, especially block, is huge. And we talked about, you know, the young guys, Ollie Gordon and C.J. Brown, Gundy maybe not wanting to put them out with a lot of carries, but then maybe some ball security issues at the top with Dom and just maybe trying to fix some things there. I, I don't know about the durability of Jaden Nixon. He's not a huge guy. I think he has durability, but who knows? So I think they just want to bring in a seasoned vet that has a couple years left that's able to come in and, you know, take some carries away from these guys and show what he's got. And, you know, hopefully they strike gold again, like another Jalen Warren. Yeah. I I like it a lot. I Dylan McDuffie is an interesting prospect because I thought that they would want to go get somebody. I think I talked about this last week, a little bit more like lightning to Dom Richardson's thunder. You know what I mean? Um, I used the, the Notre Dame analogy uh, in that regard, but they're, they're a little bit analogy. Well, thank you for that. They're a little bit similar running backs Dylan McDuffie and Dom Richardson so it would be interesting to see how they coexist 
they would just have to learn to do it because it sounds like running back by committee is where things are headed, especially if they take somebody from the transfer portal. That's, that's what's going to happen if they do that, unless they're able to go, you know, find a, 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 a superstar. I would expect that McDuffie Richardson, you know, um, Jaden Nixon, as you said, Ollie Gordon, there's going to be a lot of carries to go around. So I, I'm interested to see where they end up. But McDuffie is one that, again, you've had your eye on for a while. And it's funny that, you know, two, three months down the line, here we are. Oklahoma State offers him. And, you know, I, I think they have a shot here. Well, he entered, went back to Buffalo and then entered again. So it got a little weird. But, yeah, I, I think they have a shot as well, Kate. He's going to be at the spring game. And his offers right now, I believe, are Duke, Florida Atlantic, UTSA, and Western Kentucky. So, if Oklahoma State wants him, I think they've got him. And the fact that he's coming for the spring game, I could see him committing shortly after that. Oh, that would be fantastic. Would love that. I, I'm going to I'm gonna go um, 80% that they get him. I, I just think they're going to get this guy. I, he's the biggest offer. He's coming in pretty quickly after they offered him. Gundy has mentioned wanting a veteran running back in the room. He mentioned it to the Tulsa world in that article we read, which we talked about last, uh, last week. So I, I think we see it. Yeah. I would love that. They need him. I think they need him. So anyway, JT Daniels to West Virginia. Yeah. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Our, uh, our other news is really OSU related. <laughs> yeah, I know. And yeah, let us, let us tell us, tell us about our best friend. Tell us about our best friend. Well, there was that article that you and I kind of, uh, talked about 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 a month ago, probably a little bit earlier than that, um, about connecting JT Daniels to Oklahoma State. You and I did a little digging. It didn't seem like there was actually much there. Uh, as I as I throw my microphone off my desk, um, but it, it didn't seem like there was much smoke there. It it it's honestly a little weird where that even came from after after hearing some things, but obviously a a huge name in the transfer portal, probably the biggest name in the transfer portal ending up in big 12 country in Morgantown. So, um, you know, probably elevates West Virginia a little bit, but not to the point where I think they're anything, you know, above a, you know, fifth or sixth place finish in this conference. I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it moves the needle, but like you said, who, who knows? We haven't seen JT Daniels play more than five games, I believe, in a season right. since his freshman year, which right. was like 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so it was when Mason Rudolph was still around. Yeah, he's a former five-star recruit. He's a super talented guy. So I think it does move the needle a little bit for them, like I said, but I, I don't know how much, kind of to your point. We'll see. It, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely noteworthy because Oklahoma State was apparently linked to him, and then he goes to a Big 12 school. So something we wanted to call out, but not – not anything earth shattering. Yeah, it it gives me uh, Will Greer vibes a little bit. Yeah, going from Florida to uh, to to West Virginia, and I guarantee you that was something they talked about. It was like, hey, look at what we did with this guy. So anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be curious to see how West Virginia ends up, but to me, it's still a it. And I, I actually have a question for you, Dustin. I I didn't want to talk about this, but now I do. Do you see ESPN FPI has Texas at number six in the preseason? Yeah, what well, we, we could beat that dead horse, but why? Why? What have they done? What were we 13? 13, yeah. Yeah. And then Oklahoma at number eight. It's it's I don't trust. I don't those trust things are strange. FBI. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I do that. either. I don't trust anything from ESPN. You know what? Let's <laughs> yeah. go. Let me rant about that. No, I'm sure. Yeah, you bet. Well, the floor is yours. 
Um, actually, the floor is is sponsor of the podcast, Price Buckley. Uh, and I'd like to say thank you to him. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 and on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Thanks, Price. Dustin, um, I mean, we, we do this every week. In basketball right now, the transfer portal is still rolling hot and heavy. What's the latest? Oklahoma State seems to be reaching out to uh, an appropriate amount of people. I wouldn't say like an overwhelming number. They're not picking up the phone and calling everybody that enters the portal, but they're they're trying to get some guys. Yeah, they're shooting the shot, not yeah. to make a basketball pun. But so we talked about a lot. Of, we thought about talked about a lot of guys last week and a lot of guys have been narrowed off that list. One guy that you and I both really wanted, Sean McNeil. Yeah. He released the top list. It did not have Oklahoma state. So they're probably out of it, but here's the guys we have left. A couple of new guys added in there. We talked about Caleb Asbury from Texas state, six, 370 pounder Keyshawn Bartholomew from Colorado, another guard, six, two, one sixty three Courtney Ramey from Texas. Y'all know him. We spent a lot of time on him last week. Sean Dur- Duru Gordon, who I think I messed up his name last time as well, from Mizzou. He's more of like a wing. Norchad O'Meer from Arkansas State. Marcus Hammond from Niagara. Rudy Williams, former K-State player who's now at Coastal Carolina or was at Coastal Carolina. And then Kendrick Davis, who was at TCU, then SMU, and now he's in the transfer portal. Out of those names, I know O'Meer, and I could be saying that wrong, from Arkansas State, I know Kentucky, Miami, West Virginia have been pretty heavily involved with him. At, um, I believe there was one other I saw. Oh, yeah, Dura Gordon, I, I think Rhode Island. I saw someone say he's the fa- they're the favorite for him. So I, I'm still – I don't know about you, Cade. I, I'm still wanting Ramey. Yeah. But Rudy Williams sounds nice. Yeah, no, you take a Rudy Williams any day of the week. Um, 45% from three on almost four attempts a game. Yeah. Uh, last season. Yeah. You take that literally any time over the last five years, Oklahoma state hasn't had a 45% three point shooter in, I don't know how long, but you know, to, back to the original point, like Oklahoma state, you know, now they've got, I mean, Matthew Alexander Moncrief just entered the portal. So there's, there's holes to be filled here with, you know, Keelan Boone departing Donovan Williams, um, and we've talked about this, the scholarship production, you don't know if that's a factor yet. Um, you, you just don't. And so you have to recruit as though you have 13 slots available. And I also don't think that Boynton's going to just take anybody. I don't think he's just going to put a warm body on the bench. I think if they're able to go out and find a player of the caliber that they found last year in Tyreek Smith or Musa Cisse or Bryce Thompson, they're going to go get that guy. So very excited to see what they do there. Uh, Kendrick Davis would be a lot of fun. I don't know how, uh, I don't know how big the bag is that, that, that we've got to make that happen, especially now with NIL. I mean, you look at like uh, the names on that list, Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, like, okay. So we'll, we'll see you later. Kendrick Davis as you're playing for North Carolina next year. So Cade, what are the, what are the chances? And, they're at 10 scholarships right now, right? If you count 
Williams That's, coming in. Right, right. Okay. So they, they technically have three slots, but, you know, with the scholarship reductions c- could be 12, you know. It, is it, that it, right? Is just, it right? Are they not – are they at 11? Because they – because if they have Williams coming in next year, they're, they're backfilling a slot that uh, would have otherwise been left. So they would be at 11, right? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. So, so 10 or 11. So they've got a couple spots left. J- j- I don't, was, I, you know, to your point, Dustin, I don't think this is over. I think there are still, there's still the potential out there for more portal entries. So, right. you know, it's, it's just as of today, that's where they're at. So, so who do you think out of these guys we just listed, do you think they realistically would get any of them? And if so, why is it Courtney Ramey? Yeah, you're right. Like the, 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 it almost makes too much sense. It feels very familiar to Bryce Thompson's story, except Bryce, you know, came to his senses after one year and Ramey, you know, it might take four. So that's a little different, but (laughs) it does have very like eerie similarities. It's like, you know, player that Mike Boynton had a deep relationship with Boynton said that he had never recruited anybody harder, never had gotten that close with anybody uh, in Cunningham. So um, I, I think if Courtney Ramey comes back to college, which is still a question, I expect him to, I know Texas is still going to be an option, but they're going to have to recruit as though that spot is open that they will not recruit, uh, like around Courtney Ramey's decision, they will recruit through it. Like they're, they're going to get a point guard if he doesn't tell them soon that he's coming back. So I think that's still an option for Texas for him, but I think Oklahoma state has to be high on that list has to be for him. If, if not, why, what else would you be trying to go accomplish? Cause Texas, you know, they're going to reload with a, a transfer portal monsters team like they did this year. Um, I, I just, it's an interesting situation there. And as we said last week, you know, he, he declared for the draft as well, but we don't think he's going to get a good enough grade. So I, yeah, I, I think I'm going over 50% chance they can land Ramey. You think so? I, I like it. I, I think out of that list, they, that he's clearly the one that they have the best shot at landing. And I think they're all in on him. I think that's why maybe some of these other guys aren't taking visits to Oklahoma State. I think they've got their sights set on him. Right yeah. Now. Well, that would be fantastic. That's kind of the we'll conspiracy see. theory is maybe things are a little quiet right now because that they, they, they might feel pretty good about where they're at. So that lines up. Um, Dustin, anything else that I'm missing in the transfer portal uh, in, in basketball right now? No, not a lot of news. Like we talked about, it was mainly guys leaving Oklahoma State off their list or committing elsewhere. So not a lot of not a lot of new guys in there. Not as many as we had last week. So when we get when we get a guy that you know puts Oklahoma State on a list, takes a visit, we'll kind of give you a little bit more detail on them and how they play the game and some of their stats from recently. So that's perfect. Well, you know, Dustin, quickly we can move through some baseball. I mean, baseball has, in my opinion they've turned the corner that we asked them to turn. I mean, I know a tough bedlam loss last week, but you, you win the series. That's um, all we asked them to do. Right. You, you can lose a game in that series. And frankly, like it was a game they shouldn't have lost. Um, so they were really, um, you know, that game away from, from a sweep and, you know, really a, a collapse late in that game from a sweep of, of bedlam and Stillwater. And then you get Wichita state, who you you pummeled and they got a couple of cheap runs at the end of the game and makes the final score look a little bit different, but a 
that was a, a pummeling. So Oklahoma State right now, the bats seem to have woken up a little bit. Uh, your boy Nolan McLean is uh, raking, and he's striking out or raking at the plate. <laughs> I mean, that's it, he just strikes out or hits bombs. That's all he does. Yeah. So if kid, you laid you laid it out great. The the first two games of the series, if they're against anyone besides OU, even with the loss, I say those are two fantastic games. But when it's against OU, you know, just hate them so much. It's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to you say it was a great game, but yeah, they lose seven to eight in what was a wild game, back and forth, back and pretty forth much the, whole, the yep. whole time. You had guys, Zach Earhart, Griffin Dorshing, Marcus Brown, all had two hits. Jake's Thompson had a couple RBIs. Campbell threw six innings, allowed four runs on seven hits. So not a normal Justin Campbell performance, but it wasn't like he was terrible. And then Trevor Martin comes in, gives up some hits. There's intentional walk and then a single to give OU the lead. And OSU is just not able to capitalize in the bottom of the ninth. They lose that one. Then you come back with an eight o'clock start on Saturday. This game ends at like midnight. Oklahoma State wins at eight to seven. It's almost the same game craziness <laughs> it was the entire, the entire time Marcus Brown getting some more hits he's been lighting it up lately Nolan McLean got his first win in that game as he came in and just threw I think he touched 99 a couple yeah. times just, the dude's an incredible athlete I, I don't know if some point you maybe just switch him to full-time pitcher because this guy's got a major league arm and he's got he's got a few other pitches besides he- he does have a major league arm and he, he throws it like he's mad. Like, yeah. and he usually is probably like, he's probably <laughs> mad about the striking out thing. And he just goes up there and like unleashes because he looks like he's throwing it with everything in his body. So no, he, he he's does. fun to watch. He's fun to watch. And rock Riggio goes nuts in that game Man. three for five, two home runs. And every single time he, did something well in that game, whether it was in the field or at the plate. This guy from Simi Valley, California, you could tell he knew it was bedlam. He's getting absolutely fired up the entire time. And I think – I know I've talked about it on here. I think he's my favorite player, but I I just love his passion. Another thing, whenever it's been – it's been windy a lot recently in Oklahoma, as a lot of people listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah. know. Anytime there's a high fly ball to the outfield – Riggio is over there just in case the guy can't catch it no matter where sometimes I'm like dude you're so out of position right now I don't think you should be over there ridiculous motor yeah ridiculous motor and he's awesome the bat comes alive for him too like he's been a decent hitter most of the year has been a little streaky though um he has not been streaky lately he's he's hot right now well Kate, you know what I think it is he had that shoulder issue coming into the season. You and I thought he wasn't mm, going right. to start. Yeah. Apparently, I heard Josh Holiday talking about it the other day on the radio. That's a six to eight month recovery window. He recovered in four. So he's still recovering from that shoulder. So like you said, maybe the bat's finally starting to click. But yes, they get the win there, eight, seven. Then they come up and pretty much dominate on Sunday, nine, four. But it felt like nine, zero pretty much the whole time. Bryce Osman in his best performance, I don't think, any doubt of the entire season he goes six absolutely dominated one run on five hits but a couple of those hits were little bloopers he pitched great Nolan McLean went two for three at the plate Rock Riggio played well again Earhart played well again so that was awesome and then like you said in the 
Wichita State game, I think the only notables there because it was a beat down pretty much the whole time. Huey Morrill comes into pitch for the first time this season. Yeah, a little so, wild. I actually didn't get to watch the game, but I was able to go back and watch like the condensed version. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, he's back. Okay, great. That's fantastic <laughs> news. It's awesome because Huey's dealt, dealt with some injuries. He's dealt with some injuries his entire Oklahoma State career. But this is a guy who literally was a position player basically the entire first part of his Oklahoma State career. Yeah. Then one day he's just like, coach, I can pitch. And he, he could throw upper 90s <laughs> with a dirty, dirty breaking ball. So it's awesome to see him. He's just another arm in this loaded, loaded Oklahoma State pitching staff. David Mindham goes three for four. He's keeping hot. Yeah, he is. Griffin. Griffin Dorshing with a 500 foot bomb. Yeah. And then Brett Brown hits a homer. He comes in and has to play second base. Our boy rock gets hit by a pitch in the wrist. X-rays are negative, but Josh holiday saying he maybe he's not going to be able to play at West Virginia, Ugh. but just, just, also, and you mentioned at the beginning, the batting average, it's moved up to 274. It was kind of in the low two sixties for a long time. They're on base percentage. They're ranked 102nd. Now they're 82nd in runs. So they're moving up in all of those major offensive categories. And they're still fourth in fielding percentage and their strikeout to walk, their whip, their ERA, they're still in the top 25 and all those. So you pointed out at the beginning, much more high level than I just did rambling on, but they're up high in a lot of these defensive categories and the bats are starting to click. So we're really seeing them go, but Cade, West Virginia at West Virginia, they have the best record in the big 12. A big series, like sneaky big. It's not one. They're good. Yeah, it's not one that you look at in the preseason and think, okay, like you're not circling that one. I, I would have categorized that as the same type of series as like a Kansas or a Kansas State, maybe a notch ahead of them. West Virginia was decent last year. Um, this is a going, this is a challenging series. This is another one where it's like you just want to take two out of three, I think, um, and and get on the road with with a series win. But you know, anything more than that's gravy. Yeah, I think two out of three is your goal here. You'd love a series sweep, but if you can win this series, I think that's big time. I think West Virginia is 40th in RPI right now, and like I said, they have the best record in the Big 12. I believe their only loss was in that TCU series, but they won the series. So, yeah, they also see. they also have an entirely turf field. The entire thing is turf. I hate that so much. Hate it. I also hate that. They also are going to be very annoying to watch because they're second in the nation in steals. Josh oh, Holiday gosh. talked about that. They're going to be stealing. It, it's tough because that gets in the pitchers' heads. That's how they've been winning these games. They're messing with the pitchers. They're stealing a ton of bases. They've got a good coaching staff, though. They've got some guys that can hit, some guys that can pitch. So we'll see. Oklahoma State is better, so I, I expect them to win the series. But but we'll see kind of how that goes. I mean, Oklahoma State still sitting at number five in the country right now. I mean, they they – everything that we talked about in the preseason is right in front of them if they want it. Like, and, and that was the goal. It's like, you get to mid April, like you want to be having serious conversations about hosting a super regional. And I think that's where, that's where Oklahoma state is right now. I think they, you know, obviously they're still getting to the meat of the schedule. They have not played Texas yet. They have not played TCU yet. They have not played Texas tech yet. So they're going to figure out pretty quickly where they stand. But I think the Bedlam series, even if they were, I mean, if they, even if they weren't high on confidence to begin with, they should be a little bit more now because OU is OU is going to be in the tournament. They're a good team um, who has beaten OU, OSU twice this year. So um, 
they got to feel decent about where they're at right now. I would think with Dorshing coming back um, and then Riggio, you know, hopefully getting through what, what may be a little bit of a minor injury, like they may be getting healthy and hot at the right time. Yeah. Marcus Brown's been hitting well. We mentioned that. 100%. Aiden Neal has been playing a lot. He's been hitting well. Mendham Thompson, he, he was slumping a little bit, but obviously he's still batting, I think above 320. Dorshing's on a hitting streak, I believe, since he's been back. So it's awesome. I, I think your only worry, Trevor Martin's had a little bit of struggles, but, you know, Josh started him in the w- Wichita State game, and he said that was to just kind of, you know, put him in a non-pressure situation, let him start off the game. He pitched three solid innings. Kale Davis came in and pitched pretty well. Roman Fansalker has been lights out. So if he can use do that, if you, if you can shore up Martin, you know, just a, just a couple struggles, he still has a ton of saves. I think you're good to go, like you pointed out, and – I'll be excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. Yeah. So you got a game uh, tomorrow night against West Virginia, 530 Central Time, Saturday at 3 o'clock Central Time. And I'm trying to pull up Sunday's game time. I, I believe that is at 1 o'clock uh, Eastern Central. Sunday baseball. Yeah, I think so. Let me just double check that, though. Um, I had it right in front of me. Yeah, uh, 1 o'clock. So um, anyway, should be a good series in Morgantown. I'm excited about that. So uh dustin anything else on baseball before we move on no good to go okay i mean another team hot on the diamond right now oklahoma state cowgirls i mean killing it uh you've been locked in all season i mean give us give us the latest yeah so they just won nine four against kansas it got a little iffy there i think they sweep that series but they played iowa state they lose the first game three to one and okay to watch the game Iowa State had two pitchers come out there. Oklahoma State only got one hit. The first pitcher, Swain, had kind of a funky windup and release. I think it was kind of confusing Oklahoma State a little bit. It was super windy. The uh, The backup pitcher comes in, and she does her job, I think, in two innings. Kelly Maxwell actually pitched pretty well. There were a couple of funky things that happened in that game, some errors which we're not accustomed to seeing from this Oklahoma State cowgirl team. So – Iowa State played their best game all season. Come back out, win five to three on Saturday. Miranda Ellis pitches really well. They're able to beat the girl that came in in the last two innings in the first game. And then in game three, they run rule after six against the pitcher they saw in the first game who, you know, one hit them. So I think it just took them a little bit against Iowa State. It was super windy. Like I said, it was a little odd, but. Kelly Maxwell got her first loss and, you know, she still pitched really well. The bats just weren't going, but Haley Busby has started to come on a little bit. Yep. So that's pretty awesome. They got, they got KU who I talked about, who's 96th in RPI. They're one of the worst teams in the big 12, which in softball, you know, there's only seven teams, but Carwell's batting 420. Elish Evans, Factor, Tuck, Alexander, Pennington and Cottrell and Hobson are all batting above 300. They're 28th in batting average at 312. You got Busby coming around. The the only worry for me right now is, I guess, Kylie Naomi has some kind of brace on her wrist or something, and she didn't start tonight. Sydney Pennington played shortstop. Oh, yikes. And Petty played third with Busby at first. So that's a little odd. But, man, I, I can't say enough about Carwile. She gets a hit every single game. Yeah. She's – unstoppable i think there's like one game recently where she didn't get a hit or she'd have a ridiculous streak going um you know brown evans at the leadoff spot has been amazing miranda ellish hit a three-run bomb tonight it's just if you're not watching this cowgirl team you need to like i've said 
They're the second best team in the Big 12, but I think they're also the second best team in the country because OU is the best team in the Big 12, and I think OU is the best team in the country. So, And, kid, I haven't got a chance to mention this because I went out of town, but I went to the Texas Tech game, the first series that they added the new party deck in right oh, field. Oh, did you? Had an absolute blast. It was my first game to go to this season. Went with my youngest brother. And we had a great time. Coach Boynton was there. We saw Hunter Woodard. It was at the pro day. Josh Sills was there. Saw Avery Anderson. Saw uh, Robertson, the Calgirl golf coach. You know, I was just being a creep, seeing everybody. <laughs> but had a great time. Was out in the deck for a little bit and then came and stood behind the dugout. So if you've never been to a softball game, they last about two hours and 10 minutes. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, you'll, you know, maybe you can run into Coach Boynton, have a chat with him. I'm sure he'd love to just he loves talking to fans, so I'm sure he'd love that. Yeah, he's all over the place out there. Yeah, so it's it's a blast if you haven't been. But if you're not watching this team, you need to because they're fun. So I can't help but look ahead uh, at, at what Cowgirls – Not much left. left. Not much left, but what is left is – Intense. Very intense. You've got uh, a series with Texas. That's three games in Stillwater. That should be a fun one. And that's that's next weekend, or is that the weekend after? Um, yeah, no, that is next weekend. It's the weekend yeah, coinciding. Weekend. Yeah, coinciding with the spring game and the TCU baseball series. So that's a that's a fun weekend in Stillwater. I'm I'll get up there for something. And then you've got a series at Florida State, who is a, a top 10 team. And then your three game series with Oklahoma who has not lost a game this year. So uh, I, I will be curious to see how they wrap up the regular season because much like Cowboy baseball, it's, it's about to ramp up quite a bit. And, you know, Oklahoma state softball, they've played some really good teams already this year, but those are three, three game series against some really, really solid teams. Yeah. You, it's, it's going to be a wild end of the season, but I, I think, Aside from that OU series, I'm not that worried. They're gonna get they're gonna get one from OU. They they were they're gonna win a regular. I like season that. Game I like that prediction. OU. I don't know if they can win a series against them. They're just they're they're a meat grinder. They are. I, mean, I don't want to talk about them. They're very good. I hate them. Um, but you know, I think I like that prediction. Got okay, I'm on board. You sold me. I'm jacked. You like up it? Now. I they're think gonna they get one. They're going to spoil. OU's undefeated like storybook season. OU may still go on and win a national championship, uh, but Oklahoma State's going to get one from them. That's how I see I like it. it. I like that prediction. Yeah. That is in Norman, unfortunately. That full series is in Norman. It would have been a, a good time to be in Stillwater for that. So Yeah. Uh, hey, Dustin, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about golf, but did you have anything you wanted to say to me before we moved on to golf? Your master's picks were incredible. Just I mean, that, amazing. You called you called pretty much the two guys that were – you called the winner, and then you called Cam Smith, who was pretty much second until the very end there. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, was, it was a stroke of brilliance, really. <laughs> and, no, I, I couldn't – I was actually talking to somebody at, at work about this. It was like, well, you picked the top two players in the world. I'm like, okay, that's fair, but also, like – anyway, it was a, a great no, tournament. That, a great tournament. Scheffler – Scheffler's unbelievable, man. He is, he is. He's fantastic. He is. It was uh, it was kind of boring on Sunday. I was hoping for a little oh, bit Oh, for more sure Sunday, it was. Rory having the round, you know, of the year there was, <laughs> was pretty amazing to watch. But other than that, kind of boring on Sunday, but it was cool to see Tiger make the cut. 
you yeah. know, you, you'd have liked to see some of the OSU guys like Matt Wolf play a little bit better. You got to see some interesting things with him with the breaking the club and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, Hovland looked good at times. Uh, Gooch was in the mix for a long time. He's been impressive lately. So it's cool. It's just, it's just awesome to see Oklahoma state. Just even, even if they don't make the cut, just the fact that there's so many guys in the field. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, the, I don't want to get too deep into talking about Matt Wolf right now, but it's just like, he's clearly not, not right. And, um, you know, I know he took some time off, took some time away from the game, but you know, he's coming back and is, you know, chunking clubs in the water, breaking clubs when, when things don't go right. It's like, I hope he's, I hope he's having fun playing the game and not, you know, feeling that tremendous pressure that, that athletes do sometimes. So um, it's, it's sad to watch at times because he's, I mean, he is a rock star type of talent and personality. So I hope he gets it turned around. Um, and then of course, as you mentioned, Hovland and, and Gooch are, I mean, they're, they are steady Eddie. I know Hovland was a little wobbly, but I mean, still finished, you know, uh, middle of the pack upper into that middle pack. So, um, and Gooch was, uh, right around there all weekend as well. So, uh, a, a good tournament, but I'm with you. I mean, it was over on Friday afternoon and that, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it's the masters. That was always a fun time. I'm, I'm ready for the, uh, the PGA in Tulsa though, that that'll be a good time. Yeah. You going to that? Yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. Yeah, are you gonna go? I, I'm gonna try to go. I think. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, but of course, we bring up golf because not it's not because we figured out the correct pronunciation of his name. Eugenio. It's because he's, he's coming back. Eugenio Chikara. That's fantastic news coming back. The number two player in college golf. He released it on social media. He's he's coming back. I think it's awesome because you know it never he, happens. Yes, and he obviously wants to come back. There's a cool video on OSU Max of him and Alan Bratton talking about why he wants to come back. But this OSU men's team is awesome this year. They'll be just as awesome with him next year. So they've got uh, they've got the Thunderbird and Phoenix coming up and then the Big 12 tournament. And I, I'm excited for this postseason golf with, with him, with Bo Jin, with Gupta. You know, all these guys are solid players. I think they've got a shot. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and they need it. They need a little bit of a get right year, like a, a bounce back year. I know this year was probably a little disappointing for them, but Gupta and Shikara, that right there is a a fantastic combo. And um, you add some others into the mix, they could be they could be right back where they were a few years ago. So I I hope so. It's a lot more fun this time of year when Oklahoma State golf is like running through college golf and and tearing up everybody in their path. So I'm ready for that to happen again. Did you uh did you see that they played that tournament in Augusta and they got to go to practice round to the Masters the whole? Team. I did not see that. Yeah, that's so cool. I that was, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, probably a really fun experience for those guys. Yeah, that's uh that's a bucket list thing, and especially like I don't know if you know this, but to get tickets to Augusta for even a practice round. It's like a lottery type of situation. Like you have to yeah. put your name in a raffle and get drawn to do that. My wife was like, you should go to that one day. I was like, I got to enter my name in the raffle first and see what happens. So anyway, it's cool stuff. And obviously master's week uh, behind us, but lots of good golf in front of us. So uh, any, any final thoughts on golf before we move on to listener questions? I did want to call it one thing since we're on golf, the women, they finished third at the Bruzzy in Fort Worth on Tuesday. So with that, this season marked the first time 
the Cowgirl Golf finished in the top three of each regular season tournament since the 1973-74 season when it finished first and second in its two tournaments. So that's pretty awesome. They've got the Big 12 tournament coming up next. They're done with regular season play. And for a team that's lost players like McGinty and Fierro, for these ladies to come out, Leanna Bailey, you know, we've seen – she played really well this past the, earlier this week for them to yeah. come out and do something like that. And just, you know, kind of the resiliency there is pretty amazing. I'm not sure what they can do in the postseason, but I'm sure they'll make some noise. No, I, I had no idea that that was the case that they've, they've had, I know they've had a decent year, but that's, that's shocking. I did not know that uh, that was the case. So nice, nice call out on your part there. All right. Yeah. And apologies. If you can hear, I'm being attacked by both of my dogs right now. So. <laughs> Believe it or not, you you can't hear it. Like I think you'd be surprised, <laughs> but you can see it. So that's like that's that's one other thing. But anyway, uh, moving on to listener questions, uh, got a couple actually uh, in the audio format, which obviously very thankful for that. Uh, this one is a little bit familiar, uh, a voice that's familiar to a lot of our listeners here. What's up, guys? Guest of the year, Cameron Webb is checking back in. Uh, one of the Masters last week raised a question for me. Uh, who is the former Oklahoma State athlete that you want to see win a professional title the most in their respective sport? I've come to realize that mine is Victor Hovland winning the Masters. So let me know what you guys think. That's pretty good. Cameron just gave himself guest of the year title. We, we do need to like get a belt made and like give that out. Like that's what we got to do. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, yeah, I'm fine with him crowning himself that. He did a great job on the pod the other day. So, Cameron, <laughs> thank you for the audio question. You should just send one in every week. Yeah, for real, for real. We so. talked about having him, like, sitting in the corner of every podcast as, like, the Andy Richter to Conan <laughs> and, like, just chiming in uh, and playing the soundboard. But, uh, <laughs> Dustin, I, I thought a little bit about this. This this is a tough one. Um, it's because, any player, even team sports is who he's saying. Yeah, too, I right? think that's what okay. he's saying. So like for me, like back in the day, it would have been an easy answer. It would have been Des Bryant. Like I would have loved to see Des get a ring. Um, now, though, like I think I want Marcus Smart to get one. That would be awesome. That's a great answer. I, I would love for Marcus Smart to get one. I would love for, you know, like uh, if Cade Cunningham would have, gone to the thunder then yeah. obviously that would be an easy just right oh right away for freaking for sure i like the victor hovland when when in a maybe just any major it would be good with me um even even gooch or wolf any of those guys the golf would just be amazing yeah that would be i i like your marcus smart answer though too i i like that a lot and if you know we'll, we'll see too football wise you know if malcolm rodriguez is able to make a name for himself on a team and becomes a rotational piece or even a starting linebacker. I mean, I know he's one of our favorite players of all time at Oklahoma state. So he would probably shoot to the top of that list, but I do like the Marcus smart. Maybe, maybe he'll get defensive player of the year, which I know isn't a ring, but that's pretty close. That's a, that's a huge deal. I don't know. I don't think an Oklahoma state player outside of Tony Allen, like I think Tony Allen's the last one to have won that award. So um, guards don't win it anymore. Yeah, no, they so. don't. They don't. And actually, was was Tony Allen ever defensive player of the year? I know he's first team all defense, but I don't know if he was I, I actually th- ever. I don't think he ever won it. I mean, it's yeah. it's been a big man award for. Yeah, a while I said that. Now, and then I was some like, guards no. and wings sprinkled in, but 
it's been, you know, your Giannis's, your Rudy Gobert's, you know, that, that type of thing. So yeah, uh, that would be pretty awesome. I saw, he saw some Celtics beat reporters said that he's leading the public vote. So I don't know if he'll win it, but that's pretty cool. Well, that will be cool. Cameron, thanks for the question. Great question, Cameron. It's honestly one I I would love to have like more time to even just list everybody out. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like Mason Rudolph winning a Super Bowl would be pretty cool. Like there's all, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I do James like Washington. the golf. I, th- I think I'm going to go with Cameron and go with Victor Hovland as well. I think I'm going to go with the golf right now, but yeah. I love the Marcus Smart. That one's too. very much uh, individual. Like it's, it's Oklahoma state on a stage in that, in that regard. So yeah, I can see why that would be the case. All right. Here's one friend of the pod, Ryan Winkle. Hey guys, I'm curious who you think will win what I would call the Rodarius award this year. Um, that would be a guy who maybe we haven't really talked a lot about in the last couple of years, but uh, by the end of the season, we're going to be talking about him as a potential NFL draft pick. And you can't say Trace Ford because that's a cop-out. Um, so think harder and give me your best answers on that. And we'll go from there. All right. Good night, Vienna. <laughs> Ryan, thank you. Trailed off Thanks, a little Ryan. bit at the end there, but I pre- – no, great question. I, I have – maybe two here. I, I, I didn't, I actually was answering it before I heard that like it has to turn into an NFL draft pick. Yeah. Let maybe let's answer it. I love that part of the question, but for this, I was literally just thinking about that. Maybe let's answer it. Not. Yeah. Like that. who's maybe I like the first part of this question. I like the whole question, but the first part where he said a guy that we're not talking about that, you know, stands out at the end of the year. Yeah. I don't know Darius turned into an NFL guy, but um, let's, let's answer it like that. If, if they I I naturally have one on offense and one on defense. So that's what I'll do. And I'm, I'll start with offense. I think two on defense. So I'm glad you have an offense. Okay, cool. I think CJ Brown could be one that like we look at as like this year's Jaden Nixon. Like we, we saw flashes last year of him. And now we talk about him going into this season. Like he's going to get carries. We're talking about durability. Like where does he factor in? I think CJ Brown could be that could be one guy in a crowded running back room. I mean, he's a four-star running back. Like he's, he's very good and people are talking about him in camp. So I'll be interested to see that he would be my pick for offense. And then defensive player. I actually will answer this one. Like with that NFL draft slant. I, I one of my <laughs> defensive players now that I'm thinking about it is like this. I wonder maybe the same one. I wonder if it's good. I, I like Corey black a lot. I okay, think he's, I, I like that answer. I think he's got, a lot of range to him. He's got a lot of natural like tendencies, a lot of natural ability out there. Um, still a little bit raw, but ha- again, he's played, uh, he's had a lot of experience for, you know, only being a, a red shirt sophomore going into this year. So I, I think Corey black could be one that we ended up literally looking at him like Rodarius Williams and, and he gets drafted. I think Jabbar Muhammad could be too. No, I think the Corey black is a great Great answer. I love the CJ Brown call out too. It, yeah, if we're going with some freshmen down the road, I think obviously you got to throw Ollie Gordon there, but he's been oh, talked yeah. about a lot. So yeah. um, if we're going to go with guys who I don't think we've been talking about a lot on defense, and this one I think is going to be an NFL draft pick. And I know I said his name earlier in the podcast, but for like one second, I feel like we've gotten multiple podcasts without saying his name. Tyler Lacey. Yeah, that's a, wonderful are we forgetting about tyler lacy 
I know we talked about the one down lineman thing on the Gundy quote, but you know, it's been a lot of safety and cornerback talk and we're and Mason Cobb when we're talking about the defense. Maybe I'm maybe I'm underselling us underselling Tyler Lacey or overselling that. Well, I think I think this is a guy that could be one of the best defensive linemen in the Big 12. I think you're right. And I do think even you and I have like referred to it. I think I've said at one point on this podcast, little old Tyler Lacey, because yeah. he's surrounded Oliver, by Martin Ford, you know, hundred percent. And it's like Tyler Lacey is, is like all big 12 caliber. So I'm with you. Yeah. I think Tyler Lacey is a future NFL guy. And then my second one, and I know we have not been talking about this guy a lot. And I think he's going to be one of the anchors to this defense at that nickel position. Thomas Harper. Nice. I hope so. I, mean, I hope so. A freak athlete. If, if you've never watched his high school tape and this is Devin Harper's little brother, they're from I can't, current Kearns. Is that Ka- it? In Tennessee? Karns, 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 Tennessee. His highlight tape. He literally did. I, it's I mean, he, it's like Reggie Bush. <laughs> yeah, everything on both sides. I think he did some kicking and punting. I think he was the water boy as well. I mean, the dude was an absolute freak. So um, Thomas Harper and Tyler Lacey are my two. But I love that question. That's a fun one. I loved your answers yeah, as well, Gabe. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, any Twitter questions that you've got in front of you? Yeah, so we've got uh, – so Day Day at Daylon Green said – me waiting for a new at feels like 45 at pistols guys podcast. I thought that was kind of funny. And he showed the, uh, the Narcos gift. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that was pretty good. That made me laugh. I like that. Uh, Brian Metcalf, uh, at Brian J Metcalf. And thanks. Thanks Dalen for that. And thanks Brian for yours. Cheerleading just picked up another championship. Congrats. But why has the NCAA not recognized it as a sport? Who do we yell at to rectify this? <laughs> also, once cheerleading gets added, what sport would you like to add to balance Title Nine? So, Cade, I actually didn't know that. So, they did win the NCA championship. Oh, and really? They won it back to back years. Oh, wow! I did not know so, that either. Pretty amazing, um, Brian. Honestly, I don't know the answer to either of those questions, but I do. I do love college cheerleading. I have a. I think I was telling you, Cade, this off air. So. One of my aunts cheered at UNO, University of New Orleans. I had an uncle that cheered there. I had an uncle that cheered at LSU. And then my cousin just recently cheered at LSU. She's actually a cheerleader right now for the Saints. So I've got a long lineage of cheerleading. I did not know my, that. Uh, in my background. And I myself am very flexible. I was, I was wondering. I mean, <laughs> I know you've been doing Pilates for years. Like, is that where that comes from or what? Your boy can cheer if he needs to. Yeah, no, it's it, it runs in the blood. It's like <laughs> y- you can't fight your calling, Dustin. That's what you were put on this earth to do. But hey, competitive cheer is super impressive. It is any guy or girl that can do that is a freak athlete, and they're normally extremely strong. Um, <laughs> My roommate is- in college was a uh, like a he wasn't a yell leader, but he was like he was he was a male cheerleader, and he was a freak athlete. He was yeah. one of the strongest people I've ever met. So, yeah. Yeah, both my uncles that uh, were cheerleaders can dunk. They're both shorter than me. They're, like, not even 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, yeah. So, uh, pretty pretty amazing. But, yeah, Brian, thanks for that question. Shout out to the cheerleading team. Yeah. So, go. we've got Kyle C. at the OK State Fan 05. He says, with Victor Hovland's recent success and public rise to fame – do you think he has surpassed Ricky yet on the OSU alum fandom list? And I believe he's just talking golf there. So thanks, Kyle, for that question. 
Uh, this is Victor Hovland compared to Ricky. So here, Kate, I think the way I'll answer this is if you're a golf fan, I think Victor Hovland probably has because he's been so good recently. There's the recency bias there and Ricky just kind of has fallen off, but to the overall Oklahoma state fan, especially ones that don't pay attention to golf. I just think everybody knows who Ricky Fowler is. I'm with you, Dustin. I think there's a little bit of recency bias. Ricky Fowler, for not ever having won a major, there were a few years there where he was like in contention for big tournaments like like Hovland is now. His game has not been the same since, and golf is that way. Like, look at Rory McIlroy. Like, when's the last time he truly competed in a major? It's been a while. And that happens. You'll well, go in these Sunday. Well, yeah, no, he wasn't in contention. He does this I'm backdoor thing. He, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like before that, the golfers will go in this like hot stretch and then years of like, eh. And then, you know, hopefully at some point Ricky does get a major, but I would still say that, I mean, little kids are still walking around wearing orange Puma pants. full orange. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think it'll take a little while for Victor to surpass that for the, you know, average Oklahoma state fan. Yeah. Like, so I think it's a great question. He put Puma golf on the map. Like you can't, yeah, you can't forget that. Like the, the flat social media commercials, golf boys. I mean, the flat brim Puma hat is like synonymous with Ricky Fowler and people. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he is a personality and Victor Hovland, uh, you know, I do think, Twitter being much bigger now uh, with Victor Hovland, like in, in the prime of his career, he's very like memeable. Like people really like Victor Hovland because he's quiet. He's kind of relatable. Um, I think he's funny when he talks very funny and very dry. And I think always smiling. Oh yeah. I I think at some point he could get there, but he's not there yet. Yeah. I think Ricky is, you know, he's top up there for OSU like, he is a recognizable person for people that don't ever spend a second watching golf. I think if my wife ran into Ricky Fowler, she'd know who he was. And I don't think yeah. she would, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think she'd know who Victor Hovland was. So, yeah. So I mean, that's she, why I'm right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that question. I did too. So we've got uh coach Hamby at curse of Cowboys. He sent us the over under for Ollie Gordon and he's sending us another over under keep these coming. We love the over under. So he says, Five touchdowns for Talon Shetron this season. What are your thoughts, King? Ooh, these are really good numbers. Um, I think I'll take the under for this one. I think I think I would take the over next year, but I think I'll take the under this year. I think it's just a loaded wide receiver room right now. And and five is a lot for Oklahoma State, just because they normally kind of have one guy at the top and they spread it around. Five, I went back and looked all the way back to 2011. I think there's only one year in there where five doesn't either put you second or third on the team in touchdowns. You answered my question. It was like five five touchdowns is not – that is a not insignificant number. Like there are receivers like Rashad Owens probably – I was trying to get it pulled up. I bet he only had three or four last year, but I – I don't think Talon Chetron is going to have that type of role in this offense that, that early. Do you, do you think he's going to come in and be like right there? I just think there's a lot of guys right now. I think I he agree. gets some run because he's such a talent, 
especially if he's worked on his route running, which, you know, Adam one, I saw pointed out, he's already working on his chop move. He's, you know, he's adding some things to his game, which we thought were maybe his deficiencies because he's a freak athlete and an incredible player. So I, I just don't think he gets enough run and receiving touchdowns are hard to, hard to come by. Like you said, you know, last year, Tay Martin had 10, Brennan Presley had five, and then no one else had more than two. Yeah. Well, I just, I just had a, uh, an unbelievable t-shirt idea by the way dustin as you <laughs> and and Wait, i'm save it save it for your uh your nil question <laughs> no you could no go for it no now. that's a great great spot for it let's let's it's hold the on next question it. so oh okay well let's hear it okay so the 1012 network our boy philip at 1012 network follow them if you're not they're our podcast network they tweet awesome stuff like that question last week that got a ton of interaction about the Oklahoma State history moments you'd want to erase. So they're awesome. Thanks, Philip. He says, if you were to start an NIL collective for Oklahoma State, what would it be called and what position group, any sport, would it focus on? Yeah, this is tough. Like, I feel like, I feel like I want to hear the t shirt. My firm would be heavy invested in like crypto. So, like crypto cowboys or something <laughs> like that. Um, my t shirt idea is for Talon Shetron. And I'm saying it on this podcast because that is like my I'm staking this in the ground as my idea, uh, like real talent and then spell talent, T-A-L-Y-N. And then like like you could have a like a silhouette of him like tapping his toe like he he should have that like already I like that. There's your NIL deal. It's like just for talent. Shetra. Pure talent. I, I'm I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna figure That's, out how to get in touch with him. <laughs> yeah, because once we found out that that was how you pronounce his name, you right? Know, shortly after they, because I, I know in the beginning of the recruiting cycle, I thought it was Talon. So once well, when now you, that we know that, yeah, credit to you. You said Talon, and then like five seconds later, you said he's so talented. You said it, and I was like. <gasps> That's it right there. That's the one. <laughs> Dude, that's that's I would wear that shirt. I think um, I think I would too. Do you have okay? Do you have any other? Do you want to hear do you want to hear mine? I have two. I want to hear yours and I'll try to think of another one here. So I've got one that doesn't really answer the question because I'm just gonna do a specific player just to get this easy one out of the way that needs to be done. Jason Queso Brooks, can we get him a fuzzies? Yeah, Queso, oh that's like, phenomenal. I mean, that's just the easiest one I've ever seen. And they have the I can't remember what team he plays for but kool-aid and he's got the kool-aid sponsorship and that's what they call that's oh i, his, I remember his name that something to do it. yeah so uh but then my actual nil so what i want to do Cade, is in college baseball they only get 11.7 scholarships and obviously you have way more people like that on a baseball team so each player that's on scholarship has to receive at least 25 percent, and obviously there's some walk-ons so you don't a lot of you have players that aren't on full scholarship. Softball only gets 12. So what I want to do, my wife has a photography business on the side. Hayla photography, shout out to her. She's got some free advertisement. I'm gonna make her pay me for that. But Hayla's heroes. So oh. these people, these people shout out college baseball and softball players. They shout out Hayla photography on their Twitter, on their Instagram. You know, this could be a real thing, Kate. I'm just pitching it to you right now. And it goes towards the players that aren't on full scholarship or that aren't on scholarship on for baseball and softball. It goes towards them. So the walk-ons and the people that aren't on full scholarship. Hey, no, lost heroes. Fantastic idea. This is sold. You just workshopped it. We're good. I'm ready to go. 
Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, Lauren's going to have to give them some of her revenue for that. So maybe I have to talk to her, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Well, you're not the bookkeeper for Halo photography, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm cooking those books. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yo, for sure. You are <laughs> daddy's slush fund right there. Um, Kate, did you have anything else? Or did you I know I'm on? trying. I, I loved your t-shirt. We know, can move but, on and you can come back to it. Yeah, but that's not an NIL deal. Like, that's not a collective. I, I'm i just going to stand on the t-shirt idea and then uh, I'll come back to it someday. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got NJ at Noah underscore nation one. He said, what do you guys think uh, Stefan Johnson will do? So Stefan Johnson was the former Oregon commit wide receiver from DeSoto, Texas to flipped to Oklahoma State. Um, six, 280 pounds. His highlight tape is pretty amazing. Kate, he isn't enrolled in the spring. So I don't think much next year. I think he'll redshirt, but I think he has a high ceiling for the future. Yeah, this kid I, is good. Gives me kind of Langston Anderson vibes out of, out of high school. Like, I mean, Langston Anderson was a four-star recruit as well. Um, and, and this kid's highlight tape is fantastic, but I'm with you. I mean, the, the, the wide receiver room is so crowded right now. These young wide receivers, I mean, I, I think they're there right now probably thinking, okay, I, I'm going to struggle to get real snaps, but I'm going to practice and I'm going to go up against some really good corners, some good young corners, um, and, and see what I can do. Because at some point, Braden Johnson's going to go, Brennan Presley's going to go, like there's some spots that are going to open up, but it's just a, it's a young loaded receiving core right now. So somebody's going to have to stand out and I don't know who that's going to be. Yeah, I agree. He, he's a guy that you throw the screen pass to and just let him work. His change of direction, his foot quickness is yeah amazing. It's a little bit like Deshaun Jackson ish in yeah. that regard. Like he he's is, t- he's tall. I know for, for having that skill. He's he like, he kind of, glides when he runs too like his head doesn't move he runs like a track star like yeah he's, he's gonna be very good he's gonna be a good player uh so we got two more um dalton johnson at garden rake lover he says is there a world where osu is ever recruiting consistently at a top 15 level and what would it take to get their new conference increased recruiting budget take nil out of the out of this out of the equation Oh, well, that last one will never happen. Um, but I, I do think like, uh, I think both of those things you said are great. I don't think Oklahoma state has to recruit at top 15 to be competitive. I mean, that that's not what they're doing currently. You could be better, but I, I mean, they just pulled in one of their best classes in the last 20 years. So to me, it's like, I'm, I'm not ready to, to have the conversation of like, you know, we, we got to throw more into recruiting. I think what they're doing is working. Um, so, you know, I don't want to throw out a, they have to be top 15. They have to be top 10 number just arbitrarily. I think what they're doing now is working and I don't have a reason to like go off on a, on another path for that. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if it, to what it would take to get there, I think Dalton, I think you hit on it. And I think Gundy has continually hit on it. It's the overall just budget. It's yeah, more money to pay to pay better coaches. Like you see the Derek Mason coming in, first assistant over a million, Gundy's raise, all the assistants getting raises, updating the facilities, which they're doing now. I know that uh, one of the assistant athletic directors went with Gundy when he went to Alabama for their coaches clinic. 
he went along to check out Alabama's facilities and hopefully bring some things back since Oklahoma State's in the midst of that. So it's just it's just more money. I, I think Dalton, I think you answered it in your I, question. I think it'd just I, be more money to get. I to agree. That level. I agree a hundred percent. So thanks for that question, though. It's a it's a great one that I know Kate and I have hit on before on this podcast, and I think that kind of is the answer we always come back. Seems to. like so where we land. So yeah, and then the last one is <laughs> kind of funny here from Christopher Bruce at, at Chris Bruce WX. We hit on this a little bit earlier, Kate. You brought it up. Is Texas back? ESPN said they were. Uh, yeah i mean i can't believe we're doing this this is like the 11th year in a row that we're gonna just rank them lower and let them work themselves up one year i mean and i i think they could be good but i thought that so, last so year, do I. like i i thought when i saw casey thompson play i was like oh he's a real quarterback like they have one now like and that's a that's a bad knock on sam ellinger who was a very underrated quarterback like I, I Who just, we have as the intro of the podcast. That's right. One Friend of, of the favorites. pod. Yeah. I, I, yeah, they're, they're so overrated. It's not even funny, but they are paying every offensive lineman. They have 50 grand. So the offensive line, fun. yeah, will finally probably be better. Um, and that's been a huge problem for them. So when that happens, yeah, maybe, maybe they will be that good. Yeah. Kate, I think I, I'm not even going to comment on that one. <laughs> I love the question, but it's just yeah it's just every every year the same thing one year they're actually going to be good they're going to have so much you know ammo to come back at people but it's going to be so obnoxious i'm just going to have to see it so just don't rank them high rank them last well, hey, and let them uh, work themselves up there is film out there right now of Quinn Ewers versus Ollie Gordon in that state title game i think Ollie Gordon was the best player on that field so you know yeah take that for what it's I, worth i agree that's all the questions guys we tr- I know we say it every week. We truly appreciate it. You guys give us a couple audio questions and like six or seven good questions every week, and we love it. And hopefully, have a blast you know, we do it. a good job of answering them and spend a lot of time on them. Uh, we always try to carve out a long time at the end of the pod for that. So we love it. Really appreciate it. Keep sending them. Um, and, you know, I mean, ask me more about cheerleading if you want. <laughs> No, well said, Dustin, and the Pilates that we talked about earlier. Like, ask (laughs) about his routine. Who knows? Uh, Dustin, I appreciate you as always. Great getting to talk to you. Thank you, and thank you to the listeners for letting us be a day late this week. Just glad we got one out there. Glad we uh, were able to still record this week. So, Dustin, appreciate you. Uh, To our listeners, if you're not already following us on Twitter, follow Dustin at DustRagu. Follow me on Twitter at CadeWeb, and follow us on the main account at FeelsLike45Pod. Dustin, we are like... 50 followers away from 1500 if you can believe that so awesome thank you to everybody that's engaging and tell your friends i mean we we love doing it justin does an amazing job with it so um <laughs> you you guys spread the word i mean we're still giving away tickets it's, it's ridiculous i mean we are the podcast of giving uh that might <laughs> that might be it that might be my nil deal like something with feels like 45 giving free crap away so anyway <laughs> appreciate appreciate you guys have a great weekend go pokes